With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show, Edge Rush. He is Pro-O, a.k.a. Ollie the Producer, a.k.a. the Unders King of Plumpton. I'm Nat Coombs and we are ready to give you the edge for, what is it now, a week 16 of the NFL? Oh, Who'd have thunk that? I know, I'm actually upset. I'm actually upset. It's getting to that point of the season where I'm upset at how little football we've got left, even though we've got the whole playoffs. We've got the tournament, we've got the Super Bowl all to come. But it's just... It's sad that we've got this far, but that's the reason why I love the sport so much, because I think that for all of my adoration for soccer, English football, there is way too much of it. There is just simply, we are inundated with Mm. football in this country, and I think it gets a little bit excessive. I hate the idea of a biannual World Cup. I think it takes away everything that is special about the Football World Cup. But what we have with the NFL is because it's only for such a short period of the year, it means I really appreciate every week. Like I absolutely loved having Tuesday night football, but two two games to yeah. flick between on a Tuesday night. I absolutely loved it. There's a lot that's being talked about uh, around this. And I think maybe a little bit unfairly with, with the NFL, the, the kind of cynical viewpoint. Look, I think they're happy in the sense that they realize it's a good thing to be rolling games throughout the week and, and probably yes in an ideal world they would want that but you know what I think a lot of fans would want that as well yeah. frankly you know especially and in these times especially in these times exactly now the, the reasons for it are, are clearly not the ones that any non-sociopath would, would want to see but nevertheless the fact that we're getting football all through the holiday season and not forgetting of course it's coming up to college ball season as well which we're going to be getting into with our friend Ben Isaac so there is Football aplenty. And uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm loving loving getting football. You know what I'm going to do tonight? We're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, there's no football tonight, but we're back tomorrow. I know. So. You might have to spend some time with your kids, Matt. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> so see if I can avoid that if I can. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to kick my ass on Madden, they've told me. So we're going to have a Madden. <laughs> really? like, that's what we're going to do. Uh, right. Let's get down to it then. So mm, recap on how we did last time out. So the my Drew Lock of the Week obviously didn't come in. The... Uh, uh, which I guess another wild concussion of the Ra- the wild game, the Ravens not going for the extra point. I was hoping that they would, of course, to take it to overtime because yeah. then my five and a half would have come in if the Packers had gone on to score in uh, in overtime. But it was not to be. Uh, but your Drew Lock did come in. Yeah, the 49ers absolutely crushed the Atlanta Falcons. It was an absolutely annihilation. And the 49ers definitely one of the form teams in the NFL right now. Mm. I actually had a pretty strong week where, because I also, the two three games I went heaviest on was mm. the 49ers, the Bengals, which came through 
Yes. Um, brilliantly. Thanks. One big play to Tyler Boyd and the Steelers. Those are my mm. three big plays of the week. I said them all on edge rush yeah. last week. But then obviously the problem is, is when you have a really good weekend and then you suddenly got four games to play with on Monday and Tuesday, that means you end up getting probably a little bit too ahead of yourself. You got a bit wild. And it was probably a little bit too wild. Probably a little bit too much money on the very big outside shots on the player props. But uh, yeah, yeah, I thought Russell Wilson yeah. could have scored a touchdown last night, but he didn't. Uh, you see, I went, <laughs> I went big on the Rams uh, last night. But the week, the night before, the week before, the night before, you and I were chatting. And I think a lot of people were on this tip, given what had happened at the weekend, that we were talking and I was trying to convince myself, and I think I might have uh, unwittingly convinced you to, to take the Bears straight up, <laughs> which might go down as one of my, uh, uh, one of my all-time greats. Uh, that, didn't, that didn't play out, of course. No. So it, there, but, uh, there is a tendency, isn't there, when you have a week like the one we've had, you know, these extraordinary games, the Lions winning, all of this stuff going on that you think, oh, maybe it's one of those weeks where the, the dogs are just going to roll and it's worth taking taking the value there. So uh, some you win, some you lose. I think the saying goes, now just back to the NSC West, because that is looking really fascinating, isn't it? If you look at that divisional race, put in context how well the 49ers are playing and how much the cards are struggling right now. I know Colts cards is a game we're going to get into a little bit later on. It's interesting that, uh, King Cliff Kingsbury, I noted, has compared himself to the Chiefs uh, earlier on <laughs> in the week, saying, uh, blah, 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 blah. You look at the Chiefs, they started three and four, and they won seven at a different time in their schedule. Uh, and now it's just how you respond and how you handle it, which is a reasonable point, but they are definitely not in sync right now. They're timing it uh, quite badly. We'll go into some of the reasons why. Conversely, the 49ers on a roll. And the 49ers have the tiebreaker over the Rams. So the 49ers are, we were looking at it just before we started recording, to win the NFC West. And look, full disclaimer, I heard Simmons and Cousin Sal get into this a week ago. Simmons was talking about they when the 49ers were a couple of weeks back anyway, they were 100 to 1. And then the most recent show I was listening to, they were 50 to 1. Uh, one of the sports books we looked at just before recording Wednesday morning, they're now 25 to 1. But still decent odds. But it's an interesting, an interesting option, isn't it? When you look at how that how that division is playing out, I think the most interesting thing about it is not necessarily if they win because the, there's a lot of things that need to happen for them to win the division in terms of the Rams losing and the Cardinals losing. But they do have the head to heads over the Rams already. Right. But I think the one thing that if I'd be I'm most excited about if I was a 49ers fan, and I think is the best case for them is they've only lost one game when having both George Kittle and Debo Samuel on the field. That game was a 30-28 loss to the Packers where the Niners trailed by six with two and a half minutes on the clock and on their own 25 and managed to score a touchdown with 45 seconds to go. Obviously then Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams get the job done because they're insane football players. But the Niners could have and should have won that game against the number one seed in the NFC. Mm. Apart from that, they haven't lost when Kittle and Samuel have played. Mm. They've proven they can win in the critical moments. They beat the Rams and Bengals, which were both must-win games. As long as Samuel and Kittle are on that field, I actually think the Niners have a chance to beat anyone in the NFC and potentially even go to the Super Bowl. Fred Warner is one of my favourite players to watch on the defensive side of the ball. He flies around the football field and... I think PFF made this point on Twitter now. Nick Bosa should be considered for comeback player of the year. Mm. He is 
coming back from an ACL, he has 15 sacks, which is the third most in the NFL. And I think that people aren't giving him enough credit for the amount of output he's managing to get off the back of that injury. And especially with that cooling off in recent, in recent weeks, I think that Nick Bosa should be in that conversation more. But yeah. do you see there being, as long as they manage to stay fit, which has been their issues for the past two seasons, including this one. Do you see there being, apart from obviously the obviously the obvious reason is around Jimmy G and, but Mike Carlson made the great point on the uh, review pod yesterday that as long as they keep him protected, which they can do the likes of Trent Williams, that he can be a decent and a serviceable quarterback. Where do you see them as genuine Super Bowl contenders right now? Yeah, I definitely do. I think you've, you've made some really, really good points there and, and not least just, I'll come back to the, the, Garoppolo question in the 49ers contenders in a, in a mode, just on the running, right? So the Cards have got the Colts this weekend. Uh, then they, they close out the Cowboys and then the Seahawks, right? I mean, that is that is messy. Uh, that is a messy running. You look at the 49ers schedule, they've got the Titans, which I think is a very winnable spot for them at the moment, uh, the Texans, and then they close out the Rams. So destiny could be in their hands. Looking at the Rams running, and remember, as you say, I know it's a long way to go, a mountain to climb in many respects for the 49ers, given where they're sitting right now. But the Rams of the Vikings, the Ravens, and then the 49ers. So it could come down to that Rams for if, 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 if. But the Cardinals continue on this stumble. It could come down to that week uh, 18 game of the Rams 49ers. So that is interesting. Oh, yeah. I, back to your question. I, I, I completely see them as contenders. The NFC has opened up that way, hasn't it? I mean, the Bucs are. Yeah, in a mess because they are they're banged up. Incidentally, Lev Bell signing with the Bucks, breaking as uh, we were getting ready to record. So go Lev Bell. But Lev Bell's just the perfect Bucks signing, isn't he? I, mean, I know. Just prototypical. Watch America's game with Lev Bell in about nine months' time. The- How sad do you think that Big Ben's going to be watching Tom Brady throwing the ball to Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown? Oh boy, yeah, because Antonio Brown's back in the back yeah. in the house. Nobody worries too much about all that. Yeah. And to see Arians just totally uncompromising when he was challenged on that one. I do love Arians. So the the Bucks are not what they were got a week ago. There's no doubt about that, right? The Packers are probably the most dangerous, but I think there are there are questions there. I mean, look, obviously in both conferences, there's no lock a Super Bowl lock or heavy favorite right I mean if we're talking about the Chiefs now emerging as the best in show in the AFC that tells you a lot and I'm somebody who's been very much behind the Chiefs and let's not overreact and you know we've talked about it a lot this season and so put that in context I it's the same with the Patriots all you know been banging that drum for a long time but I also had the caveat I'm not sure there's a Super Bowl team you know I think they're a playoff team that was always my argument and, and again we've seen their cracks emerging as well so in both conferences uh, as it has been I think for much of the season it's wide open I think probably more so than ever before in the NFC I think the Bucks getting diluted with injury uh, that has clearly opened things up more for a team like the 49ers the Rams I still have a good feeling about but there are obvious concerns there but I wrote about the Rams a few weeks back the same principle really is uh, the Chiefs argument nearer the start of the season. Everybody just call your Jets. There's a lot of quality here. This is a really strong head coach. Mm. They are not a bust, right? And, and I guess you could apply that logic entirely to the 49ers uh, and the way that they've re-emerged as well. 
so yeah, 100%, I think you make some great points about why they are contenders. Kittle's reemergence, obviously hugely significant. And Garoppolo, if we link some of those points together, this idea, because he was struggling a bit earlier on the season because of the Treylon's draft pick and that he's a, a dead man walking as far as the starting gig's concerned in San Francisco, that, well, Garoppolo is underwhelming he's not good enough it became the narrative and i disagree with that i think garoppolo is clearly not a top tier quarterback in the nfl but is he a middle of the pack good enough to get you to the big game and you can win a super bowl you can win big playoff games with a quarterback that good time and time again we keep coming back to the same argument i guess of well but when you get to the big show do you need that extra bit of magic that x factor that Mahomes had, that Brady has, that Goff didn't, that Garoppolo didn't, maybe. But can I see a game play out in LA where all of the reasons you've just said about what makes this 49ers team tick and Garoppolo putting in an okay performance and not losing the game? Absolutely. We've seen a number of Super Bowl wins over the years where that is enough for a team to win. Not least the great Peyton Manning and his swan song, right? He was... Nowhere near the player in his prime, but that didn't matter. Now, I don't think this 49ers team defense specifically is as strong as that Broncos defense, but you get my point. Is Garoppolo good enough to win a Super Bowl? Absolutely. I think the key thing for me and why I have actually the 49ers as better than the LA Rams right now Mm. is because of how many different looks the 49ers have. If they mm. they can go through Kittle, they can go through Debo Samuel, whether it be as a pass catcher or as a runner, their run game is as diverse as any in the NFL. Carl Shanahan does up all sorts of things. Mm. Whereas when I was watching the Rams game last night against the Seahawks, they are ridiculously reliant on Cooper on Cup. Cup's connection. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah with For Matt sure. Stafford. It is... Um, it's, it's actually point. quite alarming, to be honest, how reliant they are on Cooper yeah. Cup making extraordinary plays and Matt Stafford knowing exactly when, where Cooper Cup is going to be at all times. Now, we've seen Green Bay manage to create an offense where they managed to isolate their best player quite a lot in Devontae Adams. And mm. I think the LA Rams are going to need to do the same, where it's incredible what Green Bay are able to do. Whenever everyone talks about how few pieces the Kansas City Chiefs have in just having Kelsey and Hill, I mean, realistically, mm. the Packers still managed to get the ball through Devontae Adams an insane amount, even though most teams know that's what they're going to try and do a lot of the time. And I think yeah. the Rams are going to have to do the exact same thing with Cooper Cup. But I think when you get into the tournament, when you get into the playoffs, that's going to become much more difficult. So whereas with the 49ers, you know that if, they, if a team takes away Kittle, they're going to hurt you through Samuel, through the ground game. Mm. They have many different options. I think Brandon Ayuk is a better player than a lot of people give him credit for. Oh, I for. love Ayuk. Yeah. yeah I think Jawan really Jennings is a decent wide receiver. So if they take away Kittle, they take away Debo Samuel, that means yeah. that Jimmy G is going to have more time to dial up different things and go mm. to different pieces. Whereas the Rams last night, I mean, and also their offensive line looked shaky as well because that, Seattle, mm. that Seahawks defense was banged up. Yeah. Didn't, ha- didn't have Adams, didn't have some of their better players. Yet Stafford didn't seem to have that much time at all. And if it wasn't for Cooper Cup, I honestly think they would have lost that game last night easily, mm. easily, yeah. because they just weren't getting anything going. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. And Cup, I know we're going to talk about MVP. And I made a note, I want to get into Comeback Player of the Year as well, because that was a really interesting point you made. But look, I get the plaudits for Cup. He's having 
this extraordinary season. And I do think he should be in the MVP conversation. I absolutely do. But it is a it is a concern. Now, I think you can mitigate that by looking at, uh, obviously, Beckham is, is the standout name. But is there going to be enough emergence from that supporting cast? And that is the question with a lot of teams. We're starting to see it a little bit from the Chiefs now, as he's quite right. You say that was the book against them. But uh, we're seeing flashes of the supporting cast there. Is that the problem with the Bills, ultimately, that there just isn't? Now, we got into this with Iron Mike on the review show earlier this week that very interestingly, because they were protecting Josh Allen to a strong degree, but they gave Singletary over 20 carries last time out and he delivered as well. So if they can get the ground game going, we talked about this with Edward Hilaire and the Chiefs. You know, it's a, a point that I'm big on. I think they can really, really run with him, not in this exactly the same way that the Bucks lent on Fournette in the playoffs last season, but not dissimilar either. Oh, the Chiefs don't have a ground game. Well, yes, I think they actually do. And they can really, really... In, that can really emerge in, in, in the playoffs. The other thing with the NFC race, I think that's fascinating is the Packers getting players back, right? So Bakhtiari, yeah. J.R. Alexander, yeah. they're going to get Zadarius Smith back potentially as well, right? Uh, yeah. So my God, those are three incredible <laughs> players. elite players that could be coming back fresh, rested and ready to roll. I still feel the Packers, the uh, with the way Aaron Rodgers is playing, other team to beat, but can the 49ers be in the mix? Absolutely. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, so let's talk MVP and, and the MVP odds. So Brady's still the favorite, right? No, so it's actually so Brady was the favorite. It's now basically a pick'em, both just above evens between Brady and Aaron Rodgers. The next best is actually Jonathan Taylor now at 10 to 1. Right. Okay. And then is Cooper Cup, he'll be on the on the book, but I mean what, so 25 to 1 or something? Cooper Cup is actually 40 to 1 mm. to win the MVP. It goes up to 50 to 1. There's even at some bookies you have it at 80 to 1. I think that the chances of some it being given to a wide receiver are so small that some of the they bookies are. are willing to kind of test it. You've got Matthew Stafford as a much shorter odds at about 10 to 1, 9 to 1. That, I just think that's crazy. I mean, we, we, we've been down that road many times, right? But why the quarterback is, is so heavily favoured. But in a season where... I, I get both Brady and Rogers, and we mustn't get sucked into recency bias because the Bucks were shut out. Well, and Brady's not the MVP. He's had a great season. There's no doubt about it. And I know equally the NFL, I, I'm certain, are going to want to try and avoid giving it to Rogers for fairly obvious yeah. reasons, right? If they can. But they are both legitimately the favorites. However, if, and the voting... I was looking at when the voting finishes, right? So it's after the last week of the season, right? Between the 9th and the 15th is when the, the voting process opens. Uh, is what's being speculated here on the article I'm reading, which is worth mentioning, of course, because it's based on, on the regular season, right? So you can suddenly see some key things happening in the playoffs that won't factor in to the, to the MVP voting. So... If, they, if, say, the last couple of weeks, Brady and Rogers are, nah, you know, they're fine, do what they need to do, but there's nothing sensational happening. I really think it's a great opportunity for Taylor or Cup to win it. You know, in a year when it isn't an elite, Matt Stafford, I am a fan of, and I like the Rams, and I like what he's done there. I like the fit, and I'm happy for him to be getting finally onto a contending team. He's not the end. He's not even close to having the kind of season that either Taylor or Cup are having, right? So 
I feel strongly in a year when there isn't a clear winner, a quarterback that has clearly bossed it, give it to, I mean, look at the relatively speaking, the seasons that Taylor and Cup are having. I would, I would vote for one of them, but I know neither of them are going to win it unless they blow up even more so in the last couple of weeks of the season. Do you know what was the best, sadly, do you know what was the best case or the the defining moment for this MVP race? Mm. Was Jordan Love playing for the Packers against the Chiefs? <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that was a that was a little insight into what this Packers team could look like without Aaron Rodgers and the performance by Aaron Rodgers last week. Some of the throws he was making are just absolutely ridiculous. And do you know what was actually really interesting? Um, I was listening last night whilst I was watching the games to his interview on the Pat McAfee show, mm. um, which is it's good actually. As much as some people malign the Pat McAfee show, I think the one thing it does offer is the opportunity to hear from players like Aaron Rodgers who notoriously mm. don't want to speak to the media because yeah. they don't feel like they're on his side and you feel like Pat McAfee has kind of provided that um, he's basically just provided that service to kind of go to players like Rodgers and be like look we're, we're not going to test you on certain things we're just going to be there on your side and just want to have a chat one of the bros basically just I have kind a bit of call banter it. with Aaron yeah just have a little bit of banter with Aaron <laughs> Rodgers but I get the, but at the same time if it means I get to hear about Aaron, get, hear Aaron Rodgers talk ball yeah. then I'm more than happy to hear it because it was it's actually really interesting I would recommend you listen to it him talking about um, taking over Brett Favre's record mm. and the first time that he met Brett Favre and the first time he realised how important it was to hold on to the football mm. and basically realising that if he turned over the ball he was just going to get dropped for the first mm. time in his life so he had to come in and that was the thing that he prioritised and also just basically it's just it, instead of actually just trying to make the special plays all the time he said that his main focus is error eradication and it's just quite interesting mm. and I think when you watch it you can easily look at all of the different plays that he makes and the incredible throws but what he's brilliant at is keeping hold of the football and not turning the ball over mm. yeah, yeah yeah he's just no Aaron Rodgers I have to say the, the Green Bay Packers I said to you a couple of weeks ago they're my favourites of the Super Bowl mm. I think Matt LaFleur has to be coach of the year and I think Aaron Rodgers has to be the MVP despite all of his controversial uh, opinions off the field I think he is an incredible football player and I love what I'm seeing from this Green Bay team I would, good recommendation I will definitely go and check that that specific interview out and on the Jordan Love point it's a, it's a really good one you make there's a column on NFL.com that I was reading this morning where they quote an unnamed front office source. Right. So, yeah. uh, and they, I don't know if you read this as well. And they were talking about Rogers and the quote was, so this is a quote from somebody who anonymous, but is in presumably a GM or similar kind of gig in, in the league right now, they put the other kid out there and he's talking about Jordan love. They put the other kid out there and they might have three wins by now. I mean, that's how much of a difference yeah. this guy was. And it's, probably true we don't really definition of the mvp isn't it he's got to get it he's got to he's got to get it i'm sorry as much as the nfl really don't want him to he has to win it again he has been he he literally what he has done this season epitomizes what that award is about i think the same argument could be applied to the to the bucks though i I do i think if you put in blaine gabbert into this puck side I don't think they're going to be, well, they're definitely not a playoff team. Now, that, the thing is, we did, with Love, it's an unknown. He stunk the joint out when he's played, but that was his you know, first start as a, as a player. With Gabbert, he's a jobbing backup, right? So we know what you're going to get with him. I, I think it's easy to fall off the Brady bandwagon because of what happened the other night, but that was a freak game, a freak result. You know? no, you I take- understand that. But I think the interesting thing, the difference between Brady and Rodgers, I think is that, Brady, the impact that Brady has goes so far beyond the field. 
mm. in the sense where that, and I don't think this should be discredited for the MVP yeah, race. Quite the opposite. But I it's, it's yeah, exactly. But it's the ethos be. that Brady brings yeah. to that team. It is yeah. the work ethic, it is yeah. the accountability that he brings to that team. Whereas I think the difference with Rogers is, is just what you see on the field. No, but I think the work ethic, I think you see, it's, it's, it's your spot on. And I think that should be a huge, huge part of the, well, not a huge part, and so overstate it, but it should be a part of the, the MVP. For sure reckoning right i think if exactly that reason i think gives brady an edge over rogers that rogers is whichever way you cut it and i don't want to get into the whole covid thing specifically but his the way he carries himself his demeanor and i'm not criticizing him for it i think he gets perhaps an unnecessarily bad rep at times because he isn't the square jawed prototypical all-american boy because he is is a bit left field and is quite surly at times and I, I don't mind that about him, I, you know, and I, and I think often it's superficial and cosmetic optics that uh, it's easy to pigeonhole him in that type of disruptive, fractious character when uh, I suspect that isn't isn't in what many of his teammates feel about him, right? However, there is no doubt that Brady is the prototype, the the poster boy for particularly what he's doing right now in the, in the last couple of years at the Bucks for having ev- bringing everyone around him up and, as you say, setting the tone and this is how we get things done here. And that has to count for a lot. So I'm leading Brady, but um, Rogers had a brilliant season. I think we'll go, to the, we'll go to the wire. I think we'll have to see what happens in the next three weeks. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I would probably lean towards Rogers just because as much as what you said is completely true, I don't think that necessarily gets factored into the MVP race nearly as much because mm. it's not just, I think what people are seeing is just what they see on the field and what Rogers is managing to do week in, week out. But And also it's a narrative award and Brady's stinker was in week 15, whereas Roger's stinker was week one. And people are so so short-sighted. So sadly, I think that Roger's is probably the favourite right now, but it all depends on how political it gets as well. Come back player of the year, just quickly on that. Quickly. Um, Quickly. Okay. Quickly. Yeah, I'm trying to, this is the producer coming out now. Oh, bloody hell. This is what, <laughs> are you going to start throwing your surface around the studio? Yeah. Um, so, so Prescott is the heavy favourite. Yeah, Still. of course he is. Madness. It's another narrative award, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. All right. That's we fit. That, I told you it'd be quick. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was that was actually really quick. All right, let's go. Rams Vikes is where we're going first in to week sixteen. My God. Right. The Rams off the back of the win last night, and they yeah. look solid. I, I get your point. Over Atlanta and Cup, yeah, defensively they look good. This was a crazy stat. Now this is going into week fifteen, so I haven't done the maths yet based on last night did they win or tie the turnover battle last night uh, uh i think they mean. might have even lost it i think mm. it was the only turnover that i can oh no i guess russell mm. wilson's garbage time tied it yeah okay. tied it but okay. um i would say they lost it it's like backdoor cover on that but yeah. okay either way then uh eliminating last night's game going so going into the week we just had when the rams have won or tied the turnover battle they're nine and oh and in those nine games, their turnover di- differential was plus 12. Wow. When they've lost the turnover battle, 0-4, and, and the turnover margin of minus nine in the process. Bill Barnwell with those numbers. Interesting, huh? So, obviously, you win the turnover battle, it typically is a good thing. But to this degree, and in particular, 0-4 and a turnover margin of minus nine when they've lost the turnover battle as well. So... Stafford protecting the ball, the Rams protecting the ball and the defense stepping up and making plays 
to give them the edge they're hugely important for this team perhaps more than more than others you're not convinced about LA are you you're not convinced about them as a going back to our question at the top or discussion at the top if we feel the Packers and the 49ers are Super Bowl contenders I think the Rams are as well you don't do you it's tough do you know what I would definitely consider them Super Bowl contenders if they had Robert Woods that's where I think is a massive loss for them because I think of what he can do in every aspect of the game, whether it's blocking, catching, even running with the ball. He is absolutely brilliant. And I think he is a big part of what that makes that offense tick. And I don't think they've been the same since he's been out. Their lack of ground game. I thought Sony Michelle pulled off some amazing mm. runs last night, but I think that was off the back of him and some poor tackling from the Seahawks. I think when they go up against one of the better run defences in the league, such as the Packers or the Bucks, I think they'll really struggle against anything going on the ground. I think Stafford is prone to mistakes. And as I said, if if teams find a way to stop Cup, which the more tape they get this season and more of what they see from what they where they move cup around this offense mm. I, I just don't I think Odell's a great piece don't get me wrong I'm a big fan of Van Jefferson I like Tyler Higby I think they're all good pieces but my problem is is that it looks like Cooper Cup is a safety net for Matt Stafford and I think that's concerning to a degree where it's just it he's so reliant on him that if he gets taken away I think this Rams offense could be a little bit clueless especially because they don't necessarily have a ground game to go to Mm. I think obviously they've got major major players on the defense Jalen Ramsey was absolutely brilliant last night completely took DK Metcalf out of the game Aaron Donald Leonard Floyd were brilliant up front and that's why I love what the Rams are doing and going all in this season is because they've got in the same way that you would say it would be a disaster of the likes of Russell Wilson Aaron Rodgers Tom Brady finish their careers without a Super Bowl. I think they've got Aaron Donald in their prime and they're like, hold on, we need to get this guy a Super Bowl because he is one of the best players, if not the best player in the league. And if we're not going for it whilst he's in his prime, then I don't know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So I completely respect that. And I think that Aaron Donald could have a huge impact down the stretch, but there's something just not right with this Rams team, I feel like. I feel like they have the capability to lose to any team on their day. And as I said, if it wasn't for a couple of big plays to Cooper Cup, they would have struggled against the Seahawks defense, which was banged up. And I understand that they had Mm. COVID struggles all week. So it's a hard time. It is quite hard to judge them on that. And I think they're trending in the right direction from what we saw in recent weeks. Uh, Alternatively, they're three points favorites against the Vikings. I think they slapped the Vikings. I think they win this one easily just because I think it'll be a statement game. I think they'll have these players back so they'll be less disjointed on offense. But I think when it comes to a game against the Niners, the Packers or the Bucks, I think those three teams have more about them and more different looks, more capabilities, more different strategies than this Rams team. Some of the play calling last night was bizarre. Second Mm. and long, third and long straight normal run plays absolutely no creativity from McVeigh whatsoever and I understand that they've had COVID struggles but at the same time I was expecting more from McVeigh last night I really was yeah I, I wonder whether McVeigh is gonna be doing what we suspected that Andy Reid and Biennemi are doing with Kansas City is holding some things back and also I think this issue with and it's something I, Mike and I have talked about many a time, never re- replacing Todd Gurley uh, properly. And I think if memory serves me correctly, y'all, a couple of weeks back, we, we got into that in a, a bit with, with Mike when we were discussing how, now he's got Stafford, obviously, and, and therefore 
one of the obvious things there. Well, he's got the arm that Goff didn't have. He's better under pressure than Goff. And it just makes the aerial attack more expansive. All of these things are true, right? You're seeing year on year. And I think it's fair to call Stafford a, a better quarterback than Goff. It's easy to kick Goff. And he is not dissimilar from that Garoppolo level that we were chatting about earlier on, right? Stafford is not at the Rodgers-Wilson, Mahomes elite, elite level, but is in that group probably in between, right? Those middle of the pack guys and then the very top guys. And all of that is true. And, and McVeigh is finding his way with them, particularly with the injuries they've had to deal with as well. But with the ground game development, that they he has had to rethink his offensive philosophy and application since Gurley because he hasn't had a player like that. And then going into this season with the, the injury to, uh, you know, to Akers and, and the injuries they've had, which forced their hand to get Sony Michelle. When did they when did they trade for Michelle? Was it August? I think yeah, it was, it was late, a right, late it was, move, wasn't it? Yeah, it was right just before the start of the season when they lost Acres for the season. Acres, yeah. to be fair, is a great point. I actually didn't I actually had kind of forgotten about Cam Akers. They would be a different team with Cam Akers. I think it? they would. And so, and I think it's fair to say it, it to to bring this together a little bit. We talk about this stage of the season and ultimately the playoffs, right? Which teams are timing it right? And there are different reasons for that. Obviously, some teams, the Bucks, a very good example. The Ravens, a very good example. They're banged up at the wrong time. And hey, look, I'm not saying the Bucks are out of it now, but but obviously, both of those teams are significantly impacted by injuries. Every team is impacted by injury, but some more than others, right? So injury affects your uh, your role then the Cardinals will come back to the Cardinals and, and why we think they're going off, but a top heavy season, right? Where you're flying out of the traps and then <clears throat> things start to slow down and there, there can be contributing factors for that. And I think you can argue with the cards, the D hop injury is, is hugely significant as, as we expected. It would be more so than say the Henry injury to, to the Titans, it seems right. Uh, if you're talking about taking out an elite player, and what happens next. But then you've got teams like the Chiefs that, uh, and like the 49ers that, that seem to be timing it right. And it isn't just a case of, oh, well, it's luck. It is so much more than that. Schedule notwithstanding, it is about having a continuity and a cohesion, not within specifically complete units, but within subunits therein. So the offensive line for the Chiefs defensively, if we're going to go there as well for the Chiefs and a point we make a lot on the show that Spags is a defensive coordinator. Belichick is a, is a, is a defensive uh, a, a genius that will get more and more and more. His teams will improve as, as the season goes on because they're understanding more and more about the rhythm and the pattern and they're building more and more cohesion. And they are, that's why they're picking up momentum. That's why they're performing at a better level because they're, they, they are getting it. I was talking to, just changing lanes for a minute, right? I was tra- talking to uh, a basketball player, plays for the London Lions in the BBL. And that he was talking to me after a game, off, off the record, so I won't name him. But he was saying that the a particular defensive look that they were trying to implement and had been it had been discussed for a, on a number of different occasions. And he said, we didn't feel we were getting it. One of the new coaching guys they brought in who, uh, who'd come from the NBA as part of the Lions coaching staff. Now he said 30 minutes in the film room with him, we all walked out and we got it straight away. 
So this happens in sports and, and particularly in basketball, especially in the NFL, that it just takes time sometimes to get this sense of understanding it's an application and it's not going to happen day one and week one and week two, particularly even now with a condensed preseason as well. So there are reasons why teams are rolling. And I think the Rams offensively could be one of those teams that as the, as the rest of the season plays out and they get into the playoffs with the addition of Beckham, uh, you're right. Uh, the reliance on cup is a massive problem. The wood situation is a massive problem, but I feel that they could still land some, some pretty big blows in the deep waters of the playoffs. I'm, st- I'm still believing in the Rams and the playmakers they've got on defense. You've got to believe back to that Barmore turnover differential. There's a reason for that, right? They're making plays. No, no, I completely understand that. I, I think they'll make a deep run in the playoffs. I think they'll win a, a game at least, but I think mm. I don't think they have got, I think the, I think the three best teams in the NFC right now, are the Packers, the Bucks and the Niners. Mm. That's I, my only issue. That's for the fair, Rams. but I, I would, yeah. I would have the Rams. Any given Sunday. Yeah. Any, exactly. I, maybe they're, you're right. I think they're probably fourth in that group. Yeah. But I'd have them. No, what no, that's, that's about, fair enough. What do you think about the bikes? <laughs> a joke. <laughs> to be completely honest with you now. Um, Kirk Cousins on Monday night, they may have won that game. He had 87 yards against a secondary, which I think we should be honoured that Mike Carlson turned up for the Tuesday podcast considering he was playing in the Bears secondary on Monday night. I think he did a good job as well. Yeah, I thought he did. I, mean, re- I think he was giving the ref too much. Too much <laughs> but- no, he was definitely doing a good job. But I mean, they were so banged up in the secondary, the Bears. And Kirk Cousins did not look good. They have two of the best young offensive pieces in the NFL in Mm. Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson. And they just didn't manage to utilize them properly. Dalvin Cook averaged 3.2 yards per carry. They were completely bailed out by Mm. mistakes by the Bears. The only thing that's always terrifying with the Vikings is they keep games close. No matter who they're playing against, they always find a way to keep those games close, whether it's the Cardinals, whether it was the Ravens, they uh, Packers, they managed to just about beat in a freak game. They always manage to turn up when you least expect them to. But I don't expect this to happen this week. I think the Rams, as you said, I do think that they're, they're going and they're trending in the right direction this season. The Vikings defense is banged up and I think they're potentially going the opposite direction. I think people will be overestimating that win against the Bears, especially from the defensive performance when realistically Justin Fields actually had a great night they just Mm. made mistakes at critical points and some of the Mm -hmm. play calling in the red zone was absolutely abject so I think that people if they hadn't watched that game properly they'll be thinking the Vikings will keep this game close or they'll be able to Mm. whereas I think the Rams could use this as a bit of a statement game and say do you know what this is an NFC playoff contender well Mm. they're actually in the NFC playoffs right now at seven and seven we're going to absolutely annihilate them. And I think I'll take the Rams. It's at three now. Yeah. I think I might shave half a point just to be on the safe side Mm. because I know what the Vikings are like and take two Mm -hmm. and a half. But yeah, give me the Rams over the Vikings every day of the week. I watched that whole Bears-Vikings game. Tragic. Tragic. Do you want to know why that is music to my ears proper? Because the Rams (laughs) are my Drew Lock of the week. Are they? Yes, they are. I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to have a go at me there and be like, well, you're so wrong. I (laughs) couldn't agree with you more. And I... Look, uh, we should preface all of the picks we're suggesting on this week's show with yeah. who the hell knows who's going to be playing <laughs> when it yeah. comes to the game, right? I mean, God knows. Although I guess the Rams have had their fair share of uh, of uh, COVID-affected absences uh, already. So I guess that's one thing to consider, I suppose. Teams that have been particularly affected and are now rolling through the final weeks of the season might be a, 
uh, a safer play in some respects than others that haven't. But yeah, I, I love the Rams in this spot. They're my Drew Lock of the Week. And where are we on the Drew Lock of the Week battle? So last week you lost your first in five. Mm. So it's impressive. I think the streak had to come to an end. So you are currently nine and six. Okay. And I am 10 and five. So, I mean, it's one hell of a race, to be fair to us. It, it's, it, it's exhilarating. It's like the AFC playoff race. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, the Dolphins very much in that mix after another win. How about the Dolphins who were one and seven or one and seven? And now at 500, have a real shot at a backdoor wildcard spot. They head to the Saints as well, which is a decent place to be going right now for reasons I'm sure we're going to get into since the defeat against the Bills which was 26-11 right the Miami uh, defeat uh, last defeat their defense ranks second in the NFL in EPA who have they played yes well I was going to say a, (laughs) a very very good point you make so just to list the quarterbacks they played in that run right Zach Wilson Tyrod Taylor Glennon Flacco and Cam <laughs> and Lamar was 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 the other one, of course. So yeah, that Ravens game is the only one which was actually really impressive. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, that is true. But I, it's it, all about that context, sure. But the defense playing against the way the Saints' offense is playing makes I think Miami a really interesting pick here. What's the line? Yeah, so the line is New Orleans are three-point favourites and the over-under is at 39 currently, very low. Do you want to know how uninspiring these two teams are now? As much as obviously we've seen resurgences from the Dolphins in recent weeks and obviously the big win for the Saints last week. Both teams are 7-7 seven and seven, and both teams are 7-7 seven and seven against the spread this, year, this season. That oh, is God. as average as they come. That is a Jeff. That's called a Jeff Fisher in the trade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so three points is, of course, negates the home field advantage, right? So if it's played on neutral territory, yeah, although the uh, Sharps are now saying that the, the home field advantage, because we're seeing a season where home field advantage actually hasn't had that big an impact, they're now saying that that's down to about one and a half points, two points even. So they're saying mm. that potentially this is, so the Saints are actually one point favourites on a neutral field, which mm. I would probably have to agree with just because I think the Dolphins might struggle in this spot now a little Why? bit. Because I don't think they're going to be able to get the run game going. I completely understand they were able to do it last week with Duke Johnson. I think he was absolutely brilliant. But they're going up against one of the better run defences in the NFL in the New Orleans Saints. And I think that's going to cause them a lot more problems. As much as we said that the teams that they played, the quarterbacks that they played, haven't been that great over this winning stretch. The other thing that these two, these teams don't have is any kind of um, pass rush. Tua mm. hasn't really had to face that much pressure. And I think the Saints will bring exactly that. And especially if they take away the ground game, which they've been incredible at all season, and I think they should do, there is a massive mismatch up front here, I think, on both sides of the ball, especially if the Saints get their two tackles back. And mm. I think that the Dolphins aren't as good at stopping the run as the, the Bucks, So I think the Saints should be able to get a little bit more going points-wise. And I just think that as much as I am actually, I will probably take the uh, the Saints here now because of these reasons, because of the mismatch up front. But this will be one of those where I will be more than happy to watch Tua <laughs> win in a standalone game in prime time just to shut all of those people up. 
who were doubting him earlier this season. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I'm very proud of the fact that we were two apologists in supporting him and Flores for that matter as well. And all of the vultures were circling. And it's for that reason, I think, I know momentum is something I might like to talk about and, and criticise. Actually, so does Bill Barmel. I remember a great Barmel piece back in the day for Grantland all about the absurdity of, of the concept of momentum. And I, I see the arguments too at the very best, right? Uh, they're rallying against something. There's usually something in that. However, I do feel, if we're not talking about momentum in a game specifically, but a confidence and a swagger and a belief, particularly given how vilified the Dolphins were earlier this season. I really like them in this spot. I do want to compare them to where the Saints are, where the Saints are going, and looking at their respective trajectories this season. I just think there is going to be a strong argument that they can, the Dolphins can keep rolling this hot streak. I, I, I like him a lot here. I, I think that three is an interesting number. Uh, w- w- of course, for, for obvious reasons, to play as well. So I think I would be leaning, not heavy, heavy, heavy top-tier pick for me this week, but I would be leaning taking the Dolphins with the points here. No, I think it's quite hard to back either of these teams with a lot of um, certification, considering they're both 7-7 seven and seven against the spread and 7-7 seven and seven for the season. I just think that this is a classic letdown spot for the Dolphins. I think mm. people are probably going to be overestimating them a little bit too much and they're not. They're going against a very well-coached team in the New Orleans Saints, as we saw last week, a defence that is getting fitter and their injuries are um, getting a little bit better. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with COVID, but it's... I think, sadly, as much as I would love to watch the Dolphins come in here and put in a great offensive performance here, a big game for Jalen Woodall, who they should be getting back off the COVID list. Yeah, I just think that the Saints will be a little bit too savvy for this Dolphins team. And I think on Monday Night Football in prime time, they mm. won't necessarily... I can't see the Saints scoring a lot of points. So it will be completely dependent on how much Tua and this Miami ground game can get going. That's what's what the, I put defining this. What's the total of? 39. They 39? Don't expect, yeah, oh they really don't God. expect many points at all but I can kind <laughs> yeah. of see that to be honest with you I think both of these this is going to be a defense defense mm. dominated game I can't see uh, Taysom Hill being able to throw much on this Dolphins passing mm. defense and that's why the number is critical as you said I think if it goes above three then I'm leaving that I'm leaving that alone mm. I don't want any anything of the Saints above three mm. Okay, Colts cards is our next game the cards as we talked about in a slump right now they've lost two in a row three out of five and as many have pointed out, it wasn't just that they went down to the Lions, an overtime walk-off, field goal defeat. It was 30 to 12. They were beaten up, outgained all 124 to five yards in the first quarter, went into a 17-point hole. Kyler's thrown three picks in his last two games. And I mentioned the, the Kingsbury quote earlier on. This is clearly a problem that they're trying to sort out. What do we do without D-Hop? I do see the parallels a little bit that Kingsbury is alluding to with even before the long-term injury that D-Hop has, uh, has picked up. They've been scrapping through certain games and, and difficult spots this season with injury and obviously Kyler and, and D-Hop most notably, but others too. And getting stuff done, right? So I, I kind of understand where he's coming from. I don't think it's a like-for-like like comparison year on year that, oh, look at 
last year they came out flying and then Murray got injured and they were never the same and, and fell off a cliff, but the same trajectory is happening. So can the cards turn it round? Do you think, are you worried that it's an insurmountable problem as far as their high ambitions are concerned, they're going to make the playoffs and unless that run and we talked about, well, I think even then they should still be fine. But are you worried that this is all going off the rails now at the wrong time? Or do you believe, do you have the faith that Kingsbury can dial up? Does he have enough weapons to dial up uh, enough without, without Hop to make them serious contenders? I, th- I guess you've answered that question by talking about the NFC contenders you really feel. So you obviously don't feel that the Cardinals are legitimate Super Bowl contenders anymore. Uh, I actually never did, to be honest with you. Never I, had that, I, had, I had that two-week stretch. Well, I admitted defeat, I think, two weeks ago when mm-hmm. um, I said that I think the Cardinals have to be... I finally will accept that they're, they are a very good team and that they could have a run in the playoffs. But I didn't. I never thought they were Super Bowl contenders. I'm still not that sold on Cliff Kingsbury necessarily. And I think those comments last week pretty much epitomised them. I don't think that they're even close to the Chiefs or they should be considered considering that the Chiefs are Super Bowl winners with this group and they've got Andy Reid as head coach. They simply don't have mm. the experience. I think... Cliff Kingsbury and what Vance Joseph have done has been absolutely sensational this season. And I think they have an incredibly bright future as a team, especially mm. with Kyler Murray at quarterback and some of the defensive pieces that they have. But their secondary, I think, still needs to be improved massively. And I don't think they necessarily have what it takes to go on a deep, deep run in the playoffs. I can't see them making it to the NFC Championship game. And I certainly can't see them making it to the Super Bowl. Whether they can turn it around this season... I think there's the possibility when you've got a playmaker like Kyler Murray, then that anything is possible. And I think that the two crit, the two key things that they need to do, starting with this week and going on for the preceding part of the season where they don't have D-Hop is they need to get James Conner in the game much, mm. much more. He has been by far their best playmaker when D-Hop hasn't been on the field all season. He scored an insane amount of touchdowns, but they don't give him the ball enough as far as I'm concerned, especially in the passing game. And the other player that they need to get involved in the offense, they picked him up for a reason, is Zach Ertz. Mm. Zach Ertz needs to have more involvement. They finally started doing it last week against the Lions, but it was actually almost too, too late at that point when they started getting Zach Ertz involved in the game but that's what the reason they brought him in was to have the impact when players like AJ Green or Christian Kirk aren't able to when they're going up against a decent defense and they just haven't seemed to have got Zach Ertz rolling yet the issue Mm. for Kyle Murray is is what teams are doing is they're keeping him in the pocket and that seems to restrain him and then also as much as uh, this is very easy coming from a man who's six foot four. His height is actually becoming a little bit of a problem because what teams are doing is, especially defensive linemen, the amount of times that balls, his throws get tipped is incredible because mm-hmm. what they'll do is they'll, they'll jump as soon as they see him throwing for the ball. And because obviously he's starting from a lower trage- trajectory, it means that they have a better chance of getting their fingertips on the ball and the ball getting tipped. So they Mm. need to be more creative. They need to adjust. And we said earlier in this season, the reason why we always had faith in the Chiefs, Nat, was because we had faith in Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to figure this out and to be able to adjust to what the new defences were giving them. Mm. And I just don't know if I necessarily have the same faith in Cliff Kingsbury and Kyle Murray in their early NFL careers to be able to have... Of that quick of a adjustments well that yeah basically to be able to respond quickly enough to be able to say actually no we are back to being Super Bowl contenders when defences are clearly giving them much more problems than they had earlier in the season yeah 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 great arguments and being made there propo what about the the line here against it's in Arizona of course the Colts winning uh, against the Patriots 
is going to give them a definite bump. But yeah, the way that they won it, interesting, the game plan was very Patriots-esque, as we talked about on the review show, that they just ran it, ran it at him. And as a result, I think Carson Wentz's performance has gone a bit under the radar in terms of how how, how abject it was, right? So there is a concern here that we're getting a little bit too over on the Colts. And look, they're a team that it feels like we're being very self-congratulatory here on the show saying, oh, we like the Patriots, we like the Chiefs. But we did for a fair amount of time talk about the Colts as a better team than their record suggested. I think we officially dubbed them the best team in the NFL with a losing record or, you know, the the strongest team that has a losing record early on and they were in some close scraps and had quite a difficult schedule and they, they've worked it out and defensively they were um, really impressive. Darius Leonard in particular, really impressive against the Pats. But I have a feeling that we're getting a little bit too recency bias hyped on the Colts and down on the cards. So is that affected or reflected, I should say, in the line? So the line is currently the Cardinals are one and a half point favourites. So it and, is, yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah basically... <laughs> And I, I actually think this might close with Colts as favourites because I think mm. of how recency bias will play into this. I mean, you can't lose to the Lions. One team can't lose to the Lions and beat the Patriots and not impact the market mm. in some way just because of how drastic those two different performances by these teams are. Yeah. Um, so it's, I mean, it's interesting. I'm going to give, I'm going to, in terms of betting trends, they're all mm. in favour of the Colts. The Colts are five and zero against the spread in their last five road games. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals are three and eight against the spread in their last eleven home games. It's it looks like the market and the public will all be in on the Colts on this. So, Nat, floor is yours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just to be clear, the sharps are all on the cards. Is what you're saying? The sharps that there actually isn't up from my sources, which is mm. the PFF. Mm-hmm. NFL green line, we actually don't have access to where the tickets and the cash is going, which I'm assuming a lot of the shops aren't betting this early on because of mm. the COVID. COVID implications. Yeah. Yeah. And we were chatting about this yesterday on WhatsApp when we were deciding what games to do on the show. And I said I wanted to do this one and I'm I'm liking the Colts in it. But <laughs> I as we're talking, I am worried that it is a, a bit of a trap in that respect for the cars to have a bounce back game. But I just feel right now that if we're joining the dots on a few of the narratives we've been getting into on today's show, I feel that the cards could find their way offensively before all said and done this season. I don't think it's going to be this week. I still think there are issues there that are going to get exploited by this Colts defense. And I think the Colts will do more of the same, establish the ground game, Wentz had a bad game against the Patriots, but he's not a bad quarterback. If you want to be glib and tie all these things together just a little bit, he's again in that Garoppolo Goff kind of camp, right? Uh, he's middle of the pack, 16 to 22 kind of level quarterback. And I, oh, it's a tight one. I, I, I'm going to lean Colts on this. I, I think you fancy the cards though, right? Not necessarily. Do you know what I really love is the tease. Col- tease the Colts to seven and a half right now. That is a sensational bet. I don't think the Colts are def- they're definitely going to lose by more than seven points. Clip that up mm. and obviously replay that when they do. But <laughs> yeah, 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 but I just think that this game is going to be close either way. And I think it's going to be an absolute Christmas cracker. I think the key for the Arizona Cardinals is going to be able to get pressure on Wentz. He does not like it and he does not perform well. And if mm. they can get Chandler Parsons and Marcus Golden 
rolling, I think that could have a massive impact. On the other side of the ball, do you know what I have to give credit to is Darius Leonard. He's making the case for for himself for Defensive Player of the Year on Twitter. Which would you rather is have? He? Yeah, he is, which I love. I'm complete, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Because a lot of people, a lot of the time, seem to get their mums or their girlfriends too. But it's like, I actually just rate that Darius Leonard is going out there and making a claim for himself. But he makes a good point, Nat. What would you rather have? 11 sacks or 11 takeaways? Uh, oh, well, I would definitely have 11 takeaways. Because yeah. I, I'm a, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a corner through and through. Exactly. But, hmm. So, but he's obviously a linebacker and he's managed to get 11 takeaways. Well, that's, 11 takeaways. that's extraordinary. Uh, yeah. You, I, I love that, by the way. Make your case. It reminds me, I was trying to think of the actress who took ads out in all the Hollywood trades when she was nominated for an Oscar. Uh, <laughs> I think we should start doing that with, when the podcast awards come up. Well, we should start taking taking half-page ads in uh, broadsheet newspapers. <laughs> yeah. I think you should just start making the case of why you should win the award on Twitter. That's what I think you should do. Let's do Carlson it. would um, definitely do it. Oh, 100%. Carlson will record a video message, push it out there. Just looking at the injury report, and this is an issue, we're recording it Wednesday, all the things we've spoken about, right? But... The cards are looking quite banged up, aren't they? When you look yeah. at the injury report right now, so Connor's hurt his heel, Rondé Moore is questionable. Didn't not, He didn't practice. Isaiah Simmons didn't practice either. Mm. We're getting to that part yeah. of the season, though, where they're just letting mm. players off. Like Wednesday reports you can basically ignore because teams just kind of let people yeah, have time off yeah, just, yeah. To, just to rest. No one's practicing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Strange. The entire roster didn't practice. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, so, uh, and the total in this game is what? It's 49 and a half, which I think is, it's going to only get, it's only going to get bigger and bigger. Yeah. Going towards Christmas day. So I'd probably stay clear of that. Unders king of Plumpton. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm leaning towards the under for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand. I think those, this might be a defensive dominated game. In Mm. fact. Um, Mm. And I think that both sides offenses might struggle a little bit. I think Quitty pay is going to have a big game. The rookie for the Colts. I think the Cardinals Mm. offensive line on the right side is slightly weaker. So I think Quitty pay could certainly have a big game, but yeah, I know this is a really interesting game and it should be a great one to watch on Christmas. In the last six, the Colts five and one. Did you, sorry, did you mention the, the numbers earlier that they've covered the spread four? Yes, exactly. But no, yeah, five yeah. and oh against spread their last five road games. Five and oh in road games. Yeah, they have been yeah. flying. They have been absolutely flying. Okay, okay. I, yeah, I'm leaning D on this. I'm leaning Colts on this. All right. Time for your Drew Lock of the Week up. My Drew Lock of the Week now. Now this one has slightly been hindered by the fact that uh, there are some slight COVID issues, but you know what? Now I actually don't care. They're not going to have Joey Bosa. Mm-hmm. Austin Eckler is a doubt, but I still think he might play from the reports I've seen, but it's got to be the Chargers minus eight against Houston Texans. The Chargers have the NFL's number three DVOA offense in the league. Houston's mm. ranks dead last at 32. The Texans have lost six straight at home. They're four and eight against the spread in their last 12, despite some of those spreads being absolutely massive. You know, this is the only, the second game the Chargers have played against a team that is more than one game under 500 all season. Mm. In terms of DVOA, they've had the second toughest schedule of any team in the NFL and are still very much in playoff contention. And speaking of teams trending in the right direction now, I think they are a team trending in the right mm-hmm. direction Herbert's getting stronger and stronger I think they had this issue in sort of like the middle part of the season where once teams were taking away Mike Williams they didn't really know how to utilize the other pieces they had apart yeah. from 
Keenan Allen, whereas now they're getting Jalen Guyton involved, they're getting Jared mm-hmm. Cook involved. Yeah. So I think this is going to be one of those games where everyone, again, puts the league on notice with Justin Herbert throwing absolute bombs. And I think they'll be able to run all over the Texans, one of the worst run defences in the league. So I think eight below below 10, below two score game, I think is a great, great play for the LA Chargers. Thumbs up for me. All right. Prop O's prop bets of the week. <clears throat> yeah, obviously this is incredibly early. So these players yeah. could be have COVID, they could have all sorts, but I'm going to do it again now. You know, I went big on it last week and it came through. I think James Robinson's going to score another touchdown this <laughs> okay. week. Well, he I rushed, rolled with it last time. So I'm yeah, I think honestly, he rushed 18 times for 75 yards and a touchdown in Jacksonville's loss to the Texans. He had three catches for 13 yards on six targets as well. His usage went up significantly in Urban Meyer's absence. And I expect him to have another big game against the Jets this week my second one I've already tipped my hand at it I do think that a key to the New Orleans Saints game against the Dolphins is going to be getting Alvin Kamara the ball he is by Mm. far and away the best playmaker they have on offense and I can assure you after he only had 32 total scrimmage yards last week against the Bucks the Saints will be using the, the long week ahead of Monday Night Football to work out how they can get the ball in Kamara's hands as much as possible and you know what I always say Nat what is it? Uh, when, the, when the lights shine, the st- no. The lights are bright, shining. Yeah, no, when the lights are bright, lights. the stars will shine. <laughs> and Kamara is certainly a star. I love the fact you can't remember your own catchphrase. I love that. Exactly. And then the final one is mm. DK Metcalf to score a touchdown. Metcalf is going to be angry now. 12 targets, only six catches against mm. the Rams. He hasn't scored a touchdown for five weeks, but he's going up against a Bears secondary that's banged up. And with Lockett likely missing more training this week, I think it's about time that DK and Russ reconnected. And what better time to reconnect than Christmas? Well, very well said. Oh, very well said. All right. Love that. Get involved with that. Let's wrap with our Acker of the Week now. This, of course, uh, enables the Propo veto. Propo can veto one of my picks if he wants to. I don't think he's going to pr- veto the first one. So remember, this is three teams straight up money line. I'm taking the Chargers at the Texans. You're obviously going to yeah. go with that. Bucks at Panthers. Yeah. 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 100%. 49ers at Titans. Yeah. You Thursday night football. Me. He's bringing Thursday night football, aren't you? Yeah, I'm bringing Thursday night football in. I know yeah, which we, we're going to release this today, hopefully Wednesday. So yeah, yeah. Wednesday do evening. Want, do you want to throw it? Okay, and that keeps it tight. Do you want to? Do you want to throw in another Sunday one then instead? Let's have no. I think the 49ers, They're definitely the ones for me. You know, I'm massive on them as well as we've already said. In this, why don't let's? What about we could? Add, why don't we put the Rams in then? Okay, yeah, fine, because they're my lock of the week. So, yeah. yeah, all right. So, if you want it, if you listen to this after the 49ers have played, throw the Rams in. Uh, that would be a pretty decent return as well. There you go. That is our Acker of the Week. Best of luck. All the picks we've talked about today. Get involved if you want to, but if you do everything in moderation, as the saying goes, it's just a bit of fun. Make sure you keep it that way. Propo, season's greetings to you, my friend. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas now. And to all the listeners, I hope everyone has some festive fun. And some festive football fun as well indeed have a great one out there we appreciate all your support and i hope uh, you've enjoyed the shows this season so far plenty more that came from in fact i and mike and i will be back with a week 16 review that is coming uh what do we think next monday tuesday depends the game's every day of the week so who the hell knows but keep your eyes peeled for it because it will drop into your podcatcher of choice any day now have a great christmas out there gang and we will see you on the other side cheers up cheers now
Social Podcast Network.